Kenzie Atwood coming to you from the Steven Universe Writers Room at Cartoon Network Studios in Burbank, California. I'm so excited to bring another episode of the Steven Universe podcast your way, and I think that this one's going to be a special one because this episode features fans just like you guys who went on to work on Steven Universe or with various members of the crew universe. You'll hear their incredible stories about how fan art and fandom led them to their dream jobs. I'm talking to storyboard revisionist Maya Peterson and storyboard artist Amber Craig. I'm also talking to Mario Piedra and Chris Graham. Chris designed the mobile game Attack the Light and the upcoming console game Save the Light. We might even get some exclusive details on what's inside Save the Light. And I definitely want to know about Square Dot, which was revealed earlier this summer. I know that blew a lot of our minds. And how's this for a special guest? I've got Steven Universe superfan and YouTube star Thomas Sanders coming by to talk about his love of Steven Universe and how he first discovered the show and then started working with the cast. So let's get started with the two fans whose fan art helped them land jobs as part of the storyboard team. Maya Peterson, storyboard revisionist, and Amber Craig, storyboard artist. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for talking with me today. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> Especially right now. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so first off, I'm just wondering where you guys are from. Uh, well, I'm from, I'm from Maryland. I was previously working in web design and development at Georgetown University. Gotcha. So this is a pretty big jump. But uh, yeah, that's it. It seems like everyone's from Maryland. Uh, or, or, or Jersey. True. Jersey. Or, Jersey or yeah. Maryland. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's yeah. the... I'm not. I am from central Kentucky. I am gotcha. from Somerset. I'm from uh, Tennessee. Nice. We're, you know, you're Kentucky is Tennessee's hat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Okay, cool. So did you guys always want to be artists when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> I, I wasn't good at anything else. <laughs> um, that's a really hard question to answer. Like, I think I always knew that drawing was inextricably part of me, but um, I didn't really consider it a career option. Like, seriously, didn't ask that question head on until, like, after college, honestly. Gotcha. That's so different than me. I went through high school, like doing eh, in my classes and thinking it's fine i'm gonna go to art school and i'm gonna be an artist <laughs> it worked out for you mm-hmm. so, yeah i'd say that worked in your favor yeah so was there like a moment when for for you i when you were like oh now i know i want to do art or like an influence that made you want to do that there wasn't a particular moment but i think one of the first kind of like turning points was um like I had done like my first finished colored piece for like ever for a um a Mega Man tribute book published by like Udon and it, there was like a lot of entries and everything and like getting in and then seeing my book like seeing my artwork published was like whoa okay maybe I'm not great but I maybe I'm a lot maybe I'm better than I thought I was you right know? You so yeah man like, you know it was a, a lot of validation yeah. I guess at the time so it was like okay you know what just work really hard and see where it goes yeah Mega Man first then the world <laughs> that's the yeah. strat that's the strat mm-hmm. so like you guys both started as fans of Steven Universe before you started working on the show right mm-hmm. yeah okay cool so how'd you discover the show um, I watched it when it aired on TV, and before that, I watched the pilot online and drew fan art that day. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was, like, ground right floor, except for the fact that I wasn't working on it when it started. Right. <laughs> I'm ground floor fandom-wise. Yes. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I had I had seen the pilot when it just came out too. Um, I didn't really get into it until my um, well, like during the weekends, my youngest sister would come over, and then we would like she would get really excited about this show and watch the most recent episodes on demand and um that was like a kind of like a big bonding experience for Mm -hmm. us too so so i guess like that's where a lot of my initial excitement came from yeah i discovered it when i was in college i feel like i started so late because it was um it was around season two back to the barn was my first episode that i ever saw really that's that's a very interesting jumping on point yeah i know well the first episode i saw gym drill arc yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the first episode that i saw was sworn of the sword but that was the first one i saw like live oh my god yeah sworn of the sword is that's nuts yeah i remember being the revisionist when sworn of the sword was being made and i was so excited to hear Dee's song come in and then it came in because i heard it echoing off in a different cubicle as nick (laughs) the animation timer i believe was like checking it like the song for timing and I was like, oh my God, it's back. It's back. Someone give me the file. I have, to, I have to listen to it. I don't care. It doesn't have music. That's awesome. Like so, background music. So what was like, what compelled you to make fan art of this show? Like, what was it about it? Uh, what it was is when the show came out, I had just like realized that I was not going to go to art college. I could not afford it at any point in time. And I was essentially like stuck in the middle of Kentucky until further notice and like Mm -hmm. the show came out and it was so positive and so fun and i remember like i made a post on my tumblr blog (laughs) that was like wow this show is so good it's like someone made it for me (laughs) and that was like in the tags i was like oh this is the show i wish i could work on or the show that i wish i could have seen as a kid Mm -hmm. and then i got to do the first part of that (laughs) um but yeah I guess it was a spiritual connection to the theme of the show. I hear that. Um, I think for me, it was like, it was really exciting because I felt like Steven Universe was kind of like the first show that had female characters particularly that weren't like a caricature of or like their defining characteristic wasn't being female for the first time. I I know. And um, it was just like, wow, I I really dig this. Like, and... um, the female Gosh, characters aren't drawn with eyelashes in this show, which is a very big signifier. Yeah. <laughs> like, they look so, you know, different from each other, and their personalities, like, just, it's not a caricature of anything. It's just, like, it's very real. And this was kind of, like, the first time I had felt like I wasn't forcing myself to like female characters, and then it was just such a natural, organic I thing, you know, mm-hmm. particularly. Yeah, I'm, I'm always like, if you, there's this female character, you're sort of obligatory to, to like the token female and the Oh, the I hate the token you know? female. You don't you, i hate her. i mean i just so like, i didn't want to yeah like i didn't want to be like one of those like women hating nerds you know yeah. but it was always like a very begrudging kind of affection yeah and now it's like oh wait now i don't have to try it's yes. really great yeah it's iconic i love that about it that's that's a lot of what drew me into i feel like so what was it like when you first got you were making fan art and stuff what was it like getting noticed by the crew um do you want to take i actually remember I used to live stream working on my comics that I was drawing for, like, fan art. And I was in a group, uh, like, I was streaming for a group of maybe 20, 15 people. And I was, like, 
recording my screen and then on the top corner it popped up and it said rebecca sugar liked your post and i was like oh and it was like recorded (laughs) it was being recorded and the people in the chat were like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and i was in real life like oh my god i can't believe she did it she liked it i mean she saw it with her eyeballs (laughs) it might have been a misclick now that i think about it but the joy i felt in that moment was real i mean i think i don't think it was a misclick Something tells me that I found out later that I was being um, considered for work on the comic that Boom was doing. Gotcha. Um, But then is that why you did like a variant cover or something like that? No, Boom was just like hitting me up for. um, That's cool fan covers, you know, Mm -hmm. because if they care about the show, they'll want to do a cover. Mm -hmm. And so I was already like doing like stuff for Boom when I got. Um, a message from Ian on Tumblr that was like, hey, do you want to do a test? And I was like, yeah. Wait, was that when they, because Tumblr Actually, I told that messaging. story wrong. I told that story wrong. What happened was actually there was a night where I was online and a friend hit me up and gave me a link and they were like, go here right now. Rebecca and Ian are drawing. And I was like, what? And it turns out that they were just like in like a little drawing, like, a group drawing site where anybody could be drawing anything and they were like drawing you know like the characters just doing whatever like having fun with like an anonymous group of people and I was like oh my god I'm gonna go in there so I started drawing but the program actually really sucked so I didn't do very well (laughs) and I drew a garnet with like square hair and Ian like wrote a note that was like her hair is a cube not a square and I was like I can't believe Ian just corrected my art (laughs) and so the next day I was like should I do it I'm gonna do it and I sent him a message it was like it was cool drawing with you in that one chat client thing I was the one who drew the square hair instead of the cube hair garnet ha ha I can't believe I messed up so bad and he was like no it was cool do you want to do a test for us and so like it was the absolute best response I could have possibly happened from just me like being a groveling little fan like like, oh my god. <laughs> That's so good. I think I think I was also on a Skype call at that point in time, so when I checked, <laughs> when I checked my messages and got that back, I was on a Skype call with my friend and I actually physically fell out of my chair and was oh just god. sort of lying on the ground like is my life starting now? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, it was. So, that's awesome. Oh. Um, wow, yeah, I don't, who, how are you supposed to compete against that? <laughs> um, but, like, um, I mean, mine was, like, much more low-key. Like, I don't think anybody actually, like, knew who I was until I took my board test. Like, yeah, I was pretty, like, lying low. Gotcha. How'd you get the, the board time. test then? I mean, it was, that's the thing. It's, like, I wasn't discovered or anything like that. I was, it just, like, I, um, applied to take the board test in 2015 when there was, like, that, that open call on twitter oh yeah 2015 um and there were no open positions actually available at the time so i just kept in contact until you know there was that um that need for a revisionist at the time so i mean it worked out it worked out but it was just kind of like um the most agonizing way to do it (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, like, I was employed at the time. I had a, you know, I had my career. So it was like, it wasn't agonizing, but it was um, definitely like, hmm, I wonder if this is actually, like, I was always wondering if it was just like a big joke because the uh, communication had only ever been through email. And there was some, like, human element missing the whole time. Yeah. And I was just waiting for, like, the rug to be pulled out from under me and be like, just kidding. It's your a jokes, show. like, your, your, your drawings are really funny. We got a good laugh from them. Like, oh, it's like, no. no that's, that's what I was waiting for. But then it was like, and then I got on, uh, I had done revisions for, like, um, you know, freelance uh, for a while. And then, like, getting on a Skype call with, like, Joe, Kat, and Rebecca. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Never it's mind. Real. This is, this is real. real. All right. Yeah, I totally understand what you mean. That's crazy. What was it like when you walked into the to work on the first day? Don't get fired. <laughs> like, do you were like, do good work. Uh, don't get fired. Draw real fast and draw real good. You know, like, that's... I was sick. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, I moved all the way like immediately. I, mean, I moved from Kentucky to LA, and I didn't like. Bye. And I just, I just got like super sick from like the atmosphere and like air change that happened so quick. So I like like slunk in like brutal. nose running with my steven universe fan t-shirt on like <laughs> i'm here to be your like crew child <laughs> and they were like welcome yeah i mean yeah that's so awesome that's like the dream honestly <laughs> did you guys ever like um there's this thing called imposter syndrome have you heard of that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so for people who are listening who don't know what that is it's like where you I mean, maybe you guys can explain it better than me, but, like, basically, you feel like you're an imposter in a situation. You feel like you're eventually going to be found out. It's, like, kind of what you said in the email. They're going to be like, oh, you're not a real ex, you know, like, be gone, you know? Like, I find that imposter syndrome is extremely um, present, especially for women artists or, I guess, women in any industry. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, like, there's definitely the feeling, especially when you're coming in from, you know, having just been hired and you think, like, oh, this is such a great thing. How am I going to mess it up? And, like, there's the big fear that everyone around you is so, like, figured out and how they can draw and, like, Mm -hmm. what they're drawing and what their job is and how well they can do it. And I feel like, for me, I couldn't really shake that feeling until about six months into my job (laughs) when... I was walking to the bathroom and Rebecca stopped me and was like, hey, you did great work on Catch and Release. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm good at my job now. Do I know what I'm doing now? Why? It took six months, but then I was pretty comfortable after that. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, my last question is, do you guys have any advice for fans who one day want to work in the industry? Make your own stuff. Make your own stuff. Put your name on it. Put it online where people can see it. You can draw fan art if you want. You can draw your own stuff if you want. Showcase your ability to write and draw. And if you can only do one of those things, you can partner up with somebody who knows how to do the other thing. Or you can do both of the things and then get better at both of them together. But um, the important thing is you can't be found if there's nothing of yours to find. That's the Mm -hmm. first step, right? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, especially coming from like being very familiar with like, uh, like artist block and going through periods where you feel like your creativity is waning or just like not there at all. It's like, you can't wait for inspiration. 
you just have to do the work. Like right. there's really no, like you just fail a lot and fail fast, you know, and that's how you get to success faster. Right. Mm-hmm. You just have to push through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Oh, wait, I want to add on one more thing for sure. If you have an obsession with something like a show or a book or an AU of some other thing that you don't even like anymore, but you love the AU. (laughs) If you feel like this passion for something and you're embarrassed by it, don't be use that as a reason to make whatever you want. Like if there's something, if there's a fire inside you, do something with it. Don't be embarrassed. Embrace just, the dorkiness. Yeah. yeah I just totally... embrace it and use that to propel yourself forwards. Because I spent like, I don't know, oh two and a half, three years just drawing Homestuck fan art and like <laughs> drawing Steven Universe fan art. It's like, and when you look through it, it's like, wow, I sure did spend a lot of time drawing this stuff and only this stuff. It's like, yeah, but look how much better I got. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so, like yeah. you can force yourself to draw stuff that you don't like, but then you might not improve at the rate that you draw right. for draw for love. <laughs> draw draw from the heart. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Draw for love. Have fun. Okay. Cool. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So a lot of you already know that there's a new Steven Universe video game in the making. It's called Save the Light, and it features brand new characters and storylines. And coming up, Cartoon Network Games creative director Mario Piedra and games designer Chris Graham give us an inside look at Save the Light and share their fan stories. Alright, I'm here with Mario and Chris. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me today. Thank you, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? So um, I am the creative director for Cartoon Network Games, so I get to supervise a team making games for all of our shows. Awesome. What about you, Chris? I'm uh, Chris Graham. I'm the director on Save the Light at Grumpy Face. We've done uh, numerous titles for Cartoon Network now. I've been doing it for a couple years. So. Got you. So Save the Light is the new... The new, the newest project, right? The biggest one. Yes, yeah. This um, is our first console title as well. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So, so what kind of games were you guys into uh, back in the day? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've been all over the place. Like, I was an original Nintendo kid. So, mm-hmm. but nowadays, I think like I'm much more on my phone and my iPad. I don't really get that much time to play console titles as much as I used to. Yeah. As depressing as that is, I have the same answer. Like, yeah. It's just, <laughs> these More days, uh, getting older with kids, also working on these games, it's hard to find as much time as you'd like. Right, right. But I was a big Nintendo fan as well. I, I think for me, just growing up in cartoons and Nintendo, we try to put that influence into our games, make them colorful and whimsical. Mm-hmm. So, but we play a little bit of everything. I think some of the games we play now currently also go into um, our projects as well. So Gotcha. So you guys were both into the show, right, before you started working on the games oh yeah yeah oh, you're man. into I've steven been a huge fan like getting to see a few of those things ahead of time has always been like i've been holding back until they air yeah <laughs> the temptation's always there <laughs> it was great for us because when we did attack the light which is the mobile game which is the before this game mm-hmm. um we actually got to go out to atlanta and screen steven universe before it aired oh. so we saw the pilot 
um, amongst a couple other pilots, and we kind of had this opportunity to be like, okay, which of these uh, potential shows are you interested in? We didn't even know at the time if it was Greenlight, I don't think. And we're like, oh my gosh, Steven Universe is amazing. It has so much potential. This is going to be big one day. We want to yeah. do that. And so we got the project. The show got Greenlight, and we started to get to see the episodes before they aired. So we were fans right from the beginning. Gotcha. Honestly, yeah. You were the original. You were yeah. fans before oh, yeah. it even existed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. So what was it like getting to contribute to like the world that after after loving the show? Oh, it's been amazing. I think not only do we admire the show itself so much, but also the people who work on the show, like getting to work with Rebecca and the show team. They're just like brilliant people that we admire so much as artists ourselves. So it's really twofold. It's, it's working with great people in the industry, working a show we love. And I also am very partial to kind of lore-driven things and things with continuity. And mm-hmm. I love the mythology in TV universe. So right. this new game kind of dips into that a little bit, which we didn't do in the first one. And that's been a, a very, very fun opportunity. So... Okay, cool. Yeah, so so uh, what was it like when you first got to show the game to the show team? Because you came out here, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, it was my second time in this office. Um, it was a little scary. Um, they had seen some videos and things, but this was the first time they kind of got a hands-on. I want to say it was maybe halfway through the project. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, Rebecca got to play, Ian got to play, Stephen Sugar got to play as well. And they did really well. It's always hard showing games because you don't know if people are going to be poor at the game. Right. If they're going <laughs> to get killed right away or if they're going to do well. Um, it was a little nerve-wracking, but they really took to it. And I, I think you know, all the decisions we'd been making during the production, they were kind of on the same page with us already. So there was some level of like, okay, this is what they've kind of asked for. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I'll say about like getting to work with Rebecca and all this is that it's a new generation of people making shows who really get video games mm-hmm. from the beginning. Oh yeah, you know they they're making these amazing you know creations, but at the same time they know how to speak video game. Mm-hmm. So um, getting to put them face to face with developers like Grumpy Face has been amazing because it's just let them go, let them go, and the, right. there's no translation needed. Oh yeah, and all, all the calls and the brainstorming. There was a lot of video game references thrown around. I mean, we were always speaking the same language. It was never a problem. Heck, half those video games I had to look up afterwards. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There were some obscure ones. (laughs) Obscure anime as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what was it like seeing little Easter eggs? Because there was that, um, I think it was Future Boy... Future Boys Ultron. Yeah, yeah. where uh, they had like an arcade <laughs> machine, right? Mm-hmm. There's an attack light arcade machine kind of in the background behind Mr. Smiley. And uh, we actually were never told about this. We found, we found out watching the show. And you were like, and what I was could, the reaction? I could not believe it. Yes, I, I just, we were just shell-shocked, you know. I think we immediately <laughs> called everyone at, in Atlanta. Like, oh my gosh, did you see this? And they didn't know either, I don't think. <laughs> nope, we found out you. <laughs> you were the one to let us know. I think Stephen Sugar just kind of put it uh-huh. back in there on a whim. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So what kind of stuff do you learn? What was like the learning curve for learning how to adapt the show's aesthetic and, and charm into the, the game? You know, it's interesting because when we did Attack the Light, um, Rebecca and Ian at the time actually had a pretty clear vision of what they wanted aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of approached it hoping we could um, put a little twist on it. You know, the, the art in the show is beautiful, but it's always fun to like interpret something a little differently mm-hmm. and try something a little new. And they had these uh, the distance models from the show, which whenever the characters are small on screen, they're a little more simplified. Their eyes are just little dots. They don't have noses. And it was Rebecca's idea, actually, that she said, since this is a mobile title, the first one, it's a small screen in your hands, so it's kind of like a distance model. You're kind of looking at this small thing, and it's almost as if the characters are far away. And we love that idea, and we kind of just ran with that. We said, okay, this is now kind of the Attack the Light, Save the Light style. And you, you try to 
reinterpret it while also still kind of getting the heart of the show and getting the, the soul of the show, even though it is a little different. So what kind of stuff, in terms of characters, making the characterization match, what do you think, was that a challenge for you guys? Um, no, you know, the characters are so well realized, honestly. I hope that doesn't sound egotistical or anything. Uh, the, the characters are just so well realized and, and so lovable that it's kind of easy to, to get into their heads. And, and hopefully it comes off that way that they feel authentic and genuine. Yeah, no, honest, you are coming off too humble, actually. <laughs> uh, your crew, all your animators and stuff, there's little bits in each of those animations that I've gotten to play with them a little bit, having all the character files and stuff and doing uh, things with them. But there's little hints of so much in there that, yeah, what you guys do with it you know, really brings it forward. Thank you. <laughs> we, I have to underline, though, we, we get so much assistance from the show team and from Rebecca, too. Like, we, we send them things, and there's certain things that are like, this is right on the money, this is perfect. And there's other things we're like, oh, we would kind of do it this way, and we kind of mm-hmm. will we'll adjust accordingly. But they've really been a, a guiding hand the whole time, honestly, on both, both titles. Can you think yeah. of any examples off the top of your head of stuff like that? Oh, let me see. Um, I know, actually, the first game... Right away, we were trying all these different art styles before we knew it was going to be. And we actually tried like an 8-bit art style. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, Steven kind of likes retro games. Right. Maybe this would be fitting. And she's like, oh, we kind of feel like something cleaner would be nice. And we kind of ran with that. Another one that Rebecca's been really great at is she has a, a perfect eye for color. Like, we were uh, recreating Beach City in 3D. And she would kind of come in and be like, okay, well, this green's a little too on the nose. And to us, it was like, you know, we totally overlooked that. And the moment she gave us that critique, it made perfect sense. And it kind of made us relook at how we were doing things in, in a new light. Um, actually, in the kind of layout of Beach City, we got a lot of help on. So we were trying to piece it together from different images. And we worked with Steven Sugar a little bit on like, okay, well, where is Vidalia's house supposed to be right. exactly? He's got go. like the whole master oh. map. He's, he oh, knows yeah. everything. Yes, definitely. He's like the, the god of that world, <laughs> I feel like, in oh a way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was really fun to realize. Like the, We want players to feel like they're actually running around Beach City and talking to the boardies and doing all that. And as fans ourselves... As we were making it, we were getting that sensation. We're like, oh, we're in Beach City, you know. I feel <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've gotten to play it yeah. some, and, and it always gives that feeling. I just love running. It's just fun to, yeah. to be in the world, you know? I mean, that opening moment that you guys have, just running around the temple, like, mm-hmm. as you come down, is great. Just that pulling back of the camera and just finally feel like... It's really fun. You're in the, it's real. In it. it's <laughs> Especially because it was a big jump for us since the first game was this top-down, very simplified 2D format, and now we just went all the way with a crazy 3D world. Right. You, you're very much more in control of what the player can see. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you're still, you still are, but uh, it's just... You, there's a lot more to account yeah. for, I guess. Oh, yes, definitely. Way more complicated. To all you game designers out there, uh, 3D is way more complicated than a 2D game, especially if you mix 2D and 3D. Yeah, I could do a whole podcast about that. It creates some complications for sure with layering and issues. Have you learned about that? <laughs> this yeah, process? Learned, I think every, I think anyone who does any creative project, they're gonna learn a lot along the way. You never like, oh, that was easy. It was you know smooth sailing the whole way through. Yeah, it definitely hasn't been the case in this game, you know. But it's it's part of the fun. I think as a creative, you want to be challenged and learn, you know, about those things. Right. Yeah. So what was it like? At, I remember I I got to go to Comic Con and I remember sitting in the audience. And I didn't know that there was going to be the trailer uh, that that had Square Dot in it. Oh, yeah. uh, and I like lost my mind along with everyone else in the crowd. What was it like seeing the reaction and all the the fan art? Oh, it's been mind blowing. Like we did not expect her. We hoped, but we did not expect her to be as popular immediately as she's been. Yeah, no, she was a. Uh, she's not even our biggest 
announcement, <laughs> but oh. it was one of those that getting there was kind of like, ooh, wow, if people are reacting like this to Square Dot, but yeah, it was great well, seeing like the fan art too. Yeah, that has so been. A we had one. a we had a bet, and again, no ego here. This was like crossing <laughs> our fingers. Wouldn't it be great if type of bet? Yes. That like okay, it'd be amazing if there was someone who drew some fan art. Just like one person. Right. Square it up. Like, it's probably going to happen. That day, we revealed her, I want to say an hour later, maybe a half hour later, there was a dozen. Yeah. And then by the end of the day, maybe 30, 40. And another kind of thing I have to say about the Steven Universe fan community is there's brilliant artists out there. Like, mm-hmm. This stuff blows us away. We yeah. want to hire these people. Yeah, <laughs> come work on the team, honestly. Suddenly get a lot of resumes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the reaction to Square It Out was really, was really humbling. It was amazing. Cool. It's so cool to talk to you guys about how how you've you've gone from this journey of of being fans to working on this universe. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me. Well, it's been great. Thanks, Thanks so much for having, for having us. us. We hope everyone enjoys the game. I'm so excited about Save the Light. I can't wait for it to come out. And coming up on the podcast, I'm also excited to introduce this next guest, Steven Universe superfan and YouTube star Thomas Sanders. He's been doing all kinds of cool stuff with the cast of Steven Universe, and we're going to hear how he made all that happen after this. I am here with Thomas Sanders, who is a huge Steven Universe fan. <laughs> Welcome to the Writers' Rooms, Thomas. What is up, everybody? Yeah, thank you for coming and talking to me. Of course, you, I I thought it was so funny, and I asked you before we started if I was the first person that you brought on yeah. that's not affiliated with the show in any way. Yeah, but I've just and I have. I am apparently. Yeah, you are. You are. Well, <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that I wanted to like <laughs> that's talk. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the whole thing is is a fan perspective, you know. So I. Really really wanted to, gotcha. you know, hear from you, especially because you just came, you just got a tour around the floor, right? Yes. So, Which is, oh, that's such a uh, eye-opening experience because yeah. you know that there's a whole bunch of stories of, of that go into this show and, and obviously it's a labor of love and I, I have a limited experience as to like what goes into just a single episode of, of any cartoon series mm-hmm. and just seeing all of the different tiny, minute things that go into each episode is just you you gain gain a whole new appreciation it's insane like looking yeah. at working here this summer has been crazy just like I learning bet. just like there's so many because you have to make everything you know like you have to make everything from scratch it's, it's, it's crazy yeah um so let's talk about from the very beginning let's take it back to the beginning of when when did you discover <laughs> steven universe <laughs> honestly i don't like I was trying to rack my brain as far as w- the exact moment I tuned into Steven Universe, and I'm, I'm completely blanking. I've, it's like a, a f- like I described <laughs> it as like an ephemeral memory. Yes. Like I've always just known about Steven it's always, Universe. It's always been there. It's always yeah. been a part of you. I can't remember. Like there was there there had to have been a moment, and I think it was because I watched it casually for a bit, and because it was recommended to me mm-hmm. um, it, while I was online. Obviously, I, my online presence, there's a lot of people, they know that I like cartoons, and I believe it was recommended to me by a, a bunch of followers, mm-hmm. and I had seen um, s- several pieces of fan art about it, and I was like, this looks really intriguing. And I and I watched it casually, and I think the, the turning point for me, obviously the fusions really caught me, like when Opal was first introduced. Mm-hmm. And I think the turning point for me was um, 
uh, I think I forget the episode uh, running out of space too much too little space or running out of storage oh, and it was uh, where maximum capacity maximum capacity and that was where that was the first I that episode got so real at it the end of that real. episode that I like I sh- I was on the couch I just sh- like stood up because I was like that this cartoon just did that it went there they yeah. did that's, that that's the one where <laughs> where amethyst like shapeshifts into rose rose and like Greg is like this is messed up, and Steven's like, "What are you doing?" What is going yeah. on? And there's, 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 in my mind as a viewer, there's subtext there, and but like they, the cartoon does it in such a, an elegant, tasteful way that works on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. That if you're a kid watching it casually, you get the 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 on the overt, you know, um, uh, story that's being told, and as an adult, you're like. There's a whole other story there, and I I was blown away that I had not seen a cartoon do that mm-hmm. to that extent. And just from that point onward, when the show just kept making more strides with their representation and with the stories that they told, and not afraid to getting not afraid of getting dark or sad, was just so refreshing for me. Yeah, I think that was like there was a, a decade or so where. Um, I hadn't seen that specifically, not to knock any cartoons that were that were present there because they were all shaped my my childhood. <laughs> yes. But I feel like I hadn't seen a cartoon do that in a long time, mm-hmm. and still still is like yeah. even with the most recent developments, like <laughs> it's, it's like, still breaking those barriers. It yeah. is, and it's just it's it's been so inspiring that that we as a generation and younger generations can handle it, right? And it's and it's helping shape how they're they're you know. They, it's helped shape their thinking. Yeah, totally. I totally <laughs> get what you're saying. So, like, that was your, that was the appeal for you then. The absolutely, like yeah. the, the the fact that a cartoon can work on two levels makes a cartoon great. Like, right. the cartoon can be good if it works on one level. But I think anything that we we draw from the stuff that you remember from cartoons when you were a kid that still is funny to you now. Like, I think like those that that first generation of, of spongebob squarepants that we still today their that humor <laughs> resonates that reference with us of, that episode of SpongeBob where? <laughs> yeah i think that, that that like there are cartoons that exist like all like if you you name it powerpuff girls dexter's laboratory as far back for me as like winnie the pooh mm-hmm. there are episodes of of those shows that you can still draw from and be like do you realize like they went there then too? Yeah. They took those strides and we probably didn't we didn't get it when we were kids, mm-hmm. but we get it now as adults if you see it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I see <laughs> I, I feel like I see a lot of that reflected in some of the your vines and stuff that you make, right? Like the oh, yeah, yeah, influences yeah. about like growing up and it's like a lot about like, you know, just stuff that anyone can relate to and be like me, big mood, you know, like exactly. That's that's something that I definitely strived for with the vines because um, the thing, a lot of the culture surrounding vines were um, memes, a lot of current <laughs> yeah. events, and what I wanted to strive for is something that not only kids could get but adults could get right. at the same time, like humor that's kind of timeless in mm-hmm. a way. And some, I mean, sometimes I miss the mark on that, but a lot of, I think we're all united in our abilities to be silly. I think yeah. everybody has that silly side. And like, sometimes you just, you laugh at the stupidest jokes and it's okay. It's okay. You know, yeah. everybody has that light, light side. And there are things that are still timeless. Like you, you, you could do a, a vine about um, something involving school or teachers 
And you as an adult can be like, well, I remember those days. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you can yeah. Remember, and you're like, glad I'm not not there. And I think that was the big appeal about several vines that we did interacting with people in real life mm-hmm. because that was humanity right. at its at its core values of just being able to relate to other strangers and be silly. Yeah. So what was it like when you when you made videos with the cast? What was that? Oh my goodness. Yes. Throwback. First of all, Mackenzie, you said yeah. that who? you made that all possible. Who? who are you referring to? <laughs> Mackenzie Atwood. You were just like, I happen to know several people. That was great too. Because I first I first got connected with you because you animated Animated you... is strong. Okay. What would you just, how would you it's describe it? Video editing that repurposes animation in the show and just makes it look new. Listen, for me, it was animation. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Thank and, you. And that blew me away. Like, you you had taken several of my vines. Yeah, yeah. And done animations surrounding Steven Universe yeah. with it. And I, I loved that because I was a big Steven Universe fan, and that's how I first got connected with you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I happen to know... <laughs> several of the cast members and so you connected me with Dee Dee Magno Hall who's Pearl yes and Dee she Dee. yeah I love her I love so her. much and she was just like yeah and I happen to I happen to know uh, Michaela uh, Dietz who's Amethyst and Jennifer Paws who's Lapis and uh, Zach Callison <laughs> who's Steven they're all available if you want to meet all of them too and I'm sitting I'm in LA and I'm just like I died inside I could I was like I don't know if I can actually handle this <laughs> And it was such. We met at this this really nice little park, mm-hmm. and it was just the just such a pleasant experience meeting yeah. all. They were so chill. Everyone They're was so, so chill, chill, so personable, and they talked like like they were all. I mean, they are all friends. It's not yes. like it's not an illusion. Let's. I can definitely state to anybody out there who is fans, they are all very good people, and they are all good friends with each other. And yeah. that as as a fan and appreciator, I was just like, that's really cool to know. It's so sweet. <laughs> it's so sweet. They're the best. And so many of them are just like, are their characters too in a lot of ways, they you are. know? It, it made it very easy. You were asking about the... Um, the the vine experience with them and they were mm-hmm. so on board i was like i might need props for this and michaela's like you got markers she sits down on the ground she gets markers she draws out <laughs> little fry, fry she's we're all on the ground drawing like we're in school and she's like yeah this is gonna be good and like she was like so down to make it happen zach was there trying to help out as well we like every i was like do you guys want to do a snapchat and they were like yeah let's do like they were up to do anything yes and it was just a fun like hour and a half of just play like we we played until like the sun went down that's so and then fun. and then when the sun went down uh jennifer brought out the ukulele and we we sang the steven universe theme song like that was <laughs> i was like you guys are the best it's amazing yeah <laughs> they're so wait. fun i i think it's funny seeing Dee, Dee and, and michaela especially just because like Dee, Dee is such a mom you know like she really is she i peak oh, mom she is peak mom i'm not even joking she um we did a collab for my YouTube channel. She agreed to do this. I love I love her so much. She came met me at the Airbnb I was staying at and she <laughs> she knew I was going to be uh she, I had rented a car and I was I was I told her I was nervous about driving in LA and after we had done the collab which she's just got such a beautiful voice. Yeah. We did a duet and she's just got that Broadway voice and her warming up in 
the bathroom and I'm just like, this is real. Pearl is warming up in, in the bathroom of this Airbnb <laughs> or getting ready to sing with me. And before she left, because I was I was finishing up um, deconstructing the the set, and she I knew she was already leaving. I go downstairs, and on my backpack is a little note from her. She's just like, "Drive safely, call me, like let me know that you get back to <laughs> like to Florida safely." Love, Bird Mom. Oh and I was I still gosh. have it in my suitcase because I hold on to that note because I was like <laughs> that that was such a beautiful little thing, and I'm sure she thought nothing of it. She was just like, "Yeah, there you go." This is great. So sweet. She's the best. I love her. So, how do you feel that like the show has influenced? Like, do you feel that it has influenced you creatively, or just like in general in your life? Absolutely. I like. We do this this series now. Me and my uh, very good friend Joan. Uh, we do this series called Sandersides um, and collab. Basically, what it is 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 that it started out as a it started as a one video, one take video that I started just talking with different aspects of my personality Mm -hmm. um my creativity my logical side and my morality or my kind of like my heart and just working through little issues in my life and just over time and through the help of like joan and like our writing techniques the the universe has kind of expanded Mm -hmm. uh to take on more you know more deeper stories and we hope to keep doing that right um, pushing that envelope and i don't know uh, at least on my part, if I would have had the, the like the courage to go in that route, I think I think Joan would have definitely tried to keep pushing. But I felt like I would have those hesitancies of like, well, uh, I don't know, are people on board with with stories like that right. deep and that 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 um, it could get that that yeah. uh, dark. And uh, you don't want to be too real. You, you don't want to be too yeah. real. Like I don't know how people can handle it. And yeah. you look at like how people embrace this kind of stories you know these these stories and getting dark and the representation that exists within the stories and how that influences their creativity it definitely influenced me like this is something that they were um i'm loving it because there's when i was in school when i was younger people definitely didn't speak as freely about their identities as they do now and it's still difficult there we're still we've still got a long ways to go but it's inspiring to me to see so many people online, at least, be so a little bit more open with who they are. And I think that that being reflected in the media that they're seeing in traditional media more and more is such a good sign. Right. It's such a good sign. And that's I, I want it. It pushes me to contribute to that. Right. Movement. Yeah. Just to be just to be honest with the audience. Yeah. yeah making exactly. something that. Yeah, that's awesome. So my my last question I have for you is, um, yeah. do you have any burning questions about what you want to see next in Steven Universe. What is the... What do you think? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, I'm curious about the fate or what what role Lars is about to play. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he is now... There's this arc that's happening with, with Lars and it was beautiful. And I feel like there, there's something... There's a path he's going and I want to see maybe where Sadie fits into that. But I also, I feel like the person, the the gem we still know the least about is Pearl. Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious as to like where, like what, I feel like because she she knows Rose Quartz the, the longest, obviously we can't show flashbacks of her too much without revealing too much of what Rose Quartz maybe had and or had not done. Right. So I feel like that's, that whole revelation would be just so appealing for me. Who is she? Who is she? You know, (laughs) and we still haven't seen White Diamond. So I'm curious as to like that role and what that plays. Those are the biggest ones that like are causing me to, I'm doing a lot of theorizing and and hypothesizing and and it it creates great discussion amongst me and my friends. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, so can we expect any theory videos? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I hadn't thought video. about a, a fan theory video, but <laughs> I bet there, I mean, knowing my audience, I think that there is, a, there would be maybe possibly a it's, demand for that. There's some overlap, yeah. <laughs> there is some overlap, yeah, for I sure. That. I, I would not mind that. I definitely think that there are, there are some there are some things that we could talk about on our channel because I think that there are so many good topics that are brought up in the cartoon that are done so tastefully mm-hmm. and so so subtly that you read like you can definitely take from it as what you will. Yes. You're like, oh, I definitely identify here. Like uh, the fusions are a great example of good relationships, toxic relationships, mm-hmm. um, polyamorous relationships. There's there's so much there right. that can be talked about and, and hashed out. And I think that they are good topics for discussion in social media because I feel like what better way to take take cartoons and parcel through it in new ways. So many people do that. And I think that there's, there's still a lot there. Right. Because you're taking something they love and then flipping it on its side and going, hey, we'll take take this side and then see how sm- smart and detailed these writers and artists were in telling this story. Mm-hmm. Just bringing more of it to light. Yeah, absolutely. Even down to the musicalities when you're seeing some somebody had theorized just about the music that you hear at certain points. And that is all smart. Like it's all done in t- with an intelligent mm-hmm. design. And I think that's so cool. Yes. Like there's so much there that uh, uh, seeing it on the surface is enjoyable. And then you look down and see how much time and effort went into every single frame and, and, and scene that you pick up later yeah. and go back to previous episodes and go, they freaking forecasted that way back then. <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't back know in the it day. then. <laughs> you didn't know. Yeah. We got it's em. so good. It's so good. <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm, I, anytime you want me to come here and fan out, like I'm, I'm here to do that. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. Thanks again to superfans turned Crooniverse members Maya Peterson and Amber Cragg, to Mario Piedra and Chris Graham for sharing all those details about Save the Light, and to Thomas Sanders. It was such a blast talking with everyone. And coming up next Thursday, it's our final episode of the season for the Steven Universe podcast, and we are going big. Rebecca Sugar and Steven Sugar close out our season with some childhood stories that ended up as plot points in the episodes. Rebecca's also going to be answering a bunch of the questions that you guys submitted online. And if that's not enough, Rebecca's also bringing her ukulele and she's going to be performing a very special, never-before-heard song called Escapism. It's from an upcoming episode of Steven Universe and it's an exclusive live performance that you can only hear right here on the Steven Universe podcast. So go hit the subscribe button at Apple Podcast right now so you guys don't miss out on a truly special podcast. And please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating at Apple Podcast while you're there. We love hearing from you. So thanks to everyone for hanging out with us. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I will see you next Thursday. Thursday.